0: This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 502 for April 5th, 2016. Howdy ho, folks, and welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. I'm a senior contributor at Macworld, Glenn Fleischman, and joining me, as she does, is Susie Oakes, executive editor of Macworld. Hello, Susie.
1: Hi, Glenn. How's it going?
0: Uh, swell. So, we're, we're tempted to call this the PollenCast cast because uh, you and I are both allergy sufferers. Yes. As uh, listeners can tell from our voices. but uh, I suffer we're...
1: from a lot of things, and <laughs> one of them is allergies. <laughs> oh,
0: sorry. I got 10 things on my list, and allergies is. Uh, <laughs> I got
1: 99 11 problems.
0: Of them. Allergies is uh, like at least four. Oh, my God. This has been, uh, it doesn't matter where you live, typically, Like, this is the season uh, for it. And Seattle is beautiful. Whenever Seattle gets beautiful, it's trying to kill me.
1: I don't <sighs> think I had them until I moved to California.
0: Yeah, I, I was telling my, my younger son is uh, almost nine and um he's gotten some sniffles this year. It's clearly allergy related and I'm you know, I mean, this morning I get up and I'm taking my doing my eye drops and my nasal inhaler and doing a uh maintenance uh like inhaler for my lungs and taking whatever and I'm like, Honey, I hope when you grow up, I hope there'll be like a pill you take that just like turns allergies off instead of this whole thing. He's like, Yeah, they're probably well. I'm like, Yeah, they're they're probably they're well. A lot of pills well. for
1: things. All right. Something Custom. to look forward
0: to yeah, just, for you know, them. Take, actually, if we're lucky, it'll be you'll go and you'll you'll get an order of honey from an apothecary. It'll be like, let's see, prick your finger on this thing here. Or you can stick a bug up your nose, like oh, that'd the be babel fish, too. but hey,
1: for your, your sinuses.
0: I saw Star Trek 2. I don't want to bug up my nose, in my ear, or any other part of my body. Come on. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> ah! <laughs> All right. Well, this is how we start podcasts. And uh, this week, I think we've we're got, off to a great start. <laughs> I think so. I think we have sympathetic listeners. <laughs> they, they need some sympathy, too. Sorry, folks. And uh, so this week, we've got interviews with uh, iPad Pro users. We put out a call a few weeks ago for people who are using the iPad Pro uh, as a primary computer or machine, computing machine, or who had kind of converted a lot of their use over to it. And we got uh, from the people who responded, we were able to find a uh, a plumber, a baker, a doctor? No, we were able to find... Um, <laughs> Construction sticker.
1: worker. No,
0: we got actually a the, great the mix people. of uh, people. <laughs> that I'm acqu- I use Twitter to find folks and I people I'm acquainted with. Is, uh, a school administrator, an IT, uh, independent IT and system admin uh, consultant. Who works with a bunch of companies and an artist who does storyboarding and illustration. And so we'll be uh, a little later in the show, not very far from now. Uh, you'll listen to three interviews I conducted with them uh, earlier about their uses and how uh, the iPad Pro, uh, the uh, 12.9 inch model, uh, not the new 9.7 inch model, because that hadn't come out yet. But these are folks who wanted it at some point after the release last October, and uh, it's become their machine. But first, some news cue typewriting sound. Uh, so apple turned 40 years old last week and that's we turned years. old <laughs> we just turned old i wonder if
1: apple's having allergies
0: that's right it's uh i uh completely didn't even see the 40 year anniversary coming because and apple celebrated a little bit during their uh their announcement on uh, march 21st of uh, new models of things um they did that nice 40 40 uh commercial that we all liked but um You know, Apple famously under Steve Jobs, after he returned, was completely, like, Um, Mm anti-sentimental. Remember when he pulled out the Icon Garden?
1: I don't remember that, but oh, yes, yeah, I remember that it's not there
0: anymore. <laughs> yeah, he came back and was like, I don't think it was like the next day. It was like, yeah, scrap it. He didn't but, want
1: any kind of like Mac Museum exactly. or people were like, why isn't there a visitor center, like that kind of stuff. Like, like it was no. no, no, no we no. don't look backwards, we look in, 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 ahead. And I, you 40 know, 40 is still, a, you know, 40 big. I got some friends turning 40 this year and they're all like, that's a lot.
0: 40 is <laughs> huge and it's a really, I mean, it's a company that – is uh, it's such an American company because it's had A, founded by immigrants or children of immigrants or, you know, and so forth. And um, B, uh, uh, has the iconic Silicon Valley garage origin story. Mm-hmm.
1: Now they have like 115,000 people or something. Like it's quite a success.
0: Yes. Yeah, C, they were there at this when Silicon Valley was still, I mean, I remember when the Fremont store opened or Fremont store, the Fremont factory opened because I used to live in Fremont, California until 1979. Uh, Don't use that for identity theft, please. Thank you. I'm not giving you my street address. And uh, we lived there when (laughs) there were still trees in Fremont before some kind of rot came through. If you go through there now, in the summer, it's like being on the surface of the sun because they had to cut down all the older trees in the city. Uh, So when I was there, it was like a verdant paradise. And uh, anyway, it was a really run-down town. Um, We left California because uh, Prop 13 had passed, schools were shutting down, libraries, the whole state looked like it was about to sever from the rest of the Union and fall into the ocean. And my folks said, "We're getting out of here. We're going to Oregon," which we did. Lovely state. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, we, after we left, uh, Apple opened um, the first uh, Mac uh, plant. Was like an automated plant in Fremont, as I recall. And it was like this state-of-the-art, remarkable uh, thing that showed that hey, you know, you actually could do high-quality manufacturing in the United States before we outsourced it all. And then it's coming, going to be insourced back here. Um, but yeah, yeah, long, interesting period. And. Uh, world changed
1: so many industries. It was, a, it was a big thing. So we had a lot of fun looking back at um, not like, well, you know, Martin at the news service did like a you know, best products, worst products kind of thing looking at the products. But what I wanted the staff to do was kind of just talk about um, like our intersections with Apple <laughs> over the last 40 years, like the things that, you know, we look back on our own, like journeys with Apple and the things that were like the most important to us kind of give it that personal touch so we did a slideshow that's 40 slides which is a lot of clicking and i know that you're all mad at me for that but um (laughs) i
0: i think it came out really well it's Um, fun it's fun well it's also it's also personal is uh, this is the company. I mean, I wrote about uh, hearing when, when Steve Jobs died. and it's Oh, the, I love that
1: one. That was well, a good one. Thank you. I mean, it's that was the, sad, but that was a good slide. <laughs> it's
0: the weirdest thing, though. It's like I never knew the man. I, I think I was within the vicinity of him. Like I think I walked by him once, but I never even talked. We were in the same room a bunch of times, but we never spoke. Yeah, and so I don't I don't know him. I certainly didn't mean anything to me on a personal level, and he was a deeply private person but I just I had such an emotional me too you know and and so many people I know too because he was you know he was our avatar he was the person who symbolized all that for good for bad whatever kind of person he was we felt you know we felt his loss as it yeah. was, as it were it was the strangest thing I, I've had very few people like that go there's certain like favorite actors or something where you feel like they've been in your home and and jobs that way like he his computers that touch of him regardless of the fact that a million people were involved in making these machines uh his taste, sensibility, direction, and conviction is why the computer, why Apple survived, why the iPhone was made. And, um, you know, I think if I knew Johnny Ive better someday in the far future, far, far future, when Johnny Ive passes, I'm sure I'll have that same reaction. Like this man is part of why uh, I do what I do, you know. Uh, I'm getting yeah. true just thinking about it. Oh, man. But go look at the uh, – no, I'm a sensitive guy. So I, go was lo- I was
1: super I, hormonal. I gave birth to my son like a week later or something. Oh my god. And yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and I have a friend who's got um like liver failure. So he's like on the transplant list. So like it just it hit me really hard for like a bunch of like weird personal reasons. Um like we're both adopted, like just all these like weird, you know, life kind of things. And then and then there was the whole, you know, like I, I write about Apple. So, you know, I'd been following his his story and his career and like, oh my God, what a story and what a career. So yeah, that was a that was a huge moment for everybody. And then there were some lighter moments like the time Roman saw Kanye at, at a Apple event.
0: <laughs> I love that Kanye was edited out of the post. Event yeah. footage, I did they not know that. took
1: out before they put it. You won't find oh, it on YouTube. Oh, my gosh.
0: Sometimes uh, that's a copyright reason, but here I don't I don't think that's yeah. why. They...
1: I mean, it could have been like Kanye was like, I don't want it up there because he is very protective of his image. But he was also much younger then, so yeah. this was like pre-iPhone. It was at the Rocker event. Um I know and then the the the, Rocker. He yeah, also event. had another story about going to the Playboy Mansion with an Apple employee. So, like, <laughs> you know, he's he's got a different journey than, than I do, and um, I'm glad that we got everyone's. Perspective in there, so come for Romans and, and stay for Glens, and it's a it's a good slideshow. Check it out.
0: Runs a ga- up the gamut of Apple to uh, I don't know what the Z starts with
2: with uh, <laughs> Z- Kanye. is
0: <laughs> Z- Kanye. Uh, and also last week, uh, the reviews that were promised for iPhone SE and 9.7 inch iPad Pro <laughs> are up. What One reviews? of them was a day late. <laughs> I give myself my, I give
1: myself deadlines, and then I don't make my own deadlines.
0: I am working on this chart that hopefully uh, I showed you yesterday and hopefully oh, yeah, will become part cool of chart. an article that looks at all the capabilities of iPhones over time and like what the SE is such a weird one. Um, not that it's a bad phone, but more that it just doesn't fit the pattern of what Apple's been doing for mm-hmm. years except in terms of price so we'll be talking more about
1: this that. could be the start of a new pattern i mean they've never put out a new phone for the bottom end of the lineup before so this is we're in uncharted water
0: no it's great it's great i got a few things to say about that because i think it's it's easy to see it as if they are flailing by putting out a, a quote unquote cheap phone when in fact oh. i think it just doesn't it's like anti-pattern it's like it's such a different thing. I think I'm still getting my head around where, where it fits. But among other things, you know, they're shipping in India. I think is it today they're shipping the iPhone SE there now, a week after it shipped in the rest of the world? I'm mm. sorry, in America rather than some of the other uh, uh, Western European countries. And uh, this is a big thing. And. I think it's' being India is going to be
1: like the new China. That's the new frontier for yeah. a lot of tech companies.
0: And the SE is a top of the line, not top of the line phone at the same time. It's got all the top of the line capabilities, but more or less. It is more or less a top of the line phone with a couple of exceptions in a smaller form factor, at two hundred and fifty dollars less than the equivalent in a slightly larger form factor. So I think they, I think Apple's being brilliant about this, and especially bringing it to the rest of the world outside of traditional. First-run markets, like they did, they've in years past, and devices past. You know, it comes to the U.S. and a bunch of other countries in the first pass, and then it's sometimes months before it gets elsewhere. Now they're treating the rest of the world uh, as a much closer partner, I think, um, and this is part of that effort. Uh, let's see. So we only had a few other things we're going to talk about. So a bunch of encryption security news. We'll will zip through just so readers are aware of it. Uh, just just before we were taping this on a Tuesday, I uh, saw a Wired story come out that. Uh, was remarkable. It's the kind of story I wish I got. This is, you know, I'm not like a big uh, breaking investigative reporter, but this is my wheelhouse, and I read it like, oh, I know some of those people and things. But <laughs> you know, you gotta be, you gotta be knocking on doors in Silicon Valley every day to get that story. And uh, it's, uh, it's not so much breaking news as like uh, uh, the WhatsApp group, which is a, now a division of. Uh, Facebook, Facebook, yeah, right. People in America still don't know WhatsApp. I mean, when it I started uh, seeing it mentioned a lot a few years ago, I am you know very U.S. centric person. I don't travel. I've almost never traveled outside America. I have some contacts in other countries, but I started seeing usage numbers because people would link list uh, instant messaging services by popularity, and it was like, all right, this is astonishing. This is the the usage is so many orders of magnitude above anything else uh, like it. Huge. And, uh, yeah, and it's right. And so it's it's in China and Korea, South Korea and uh, a lot of Asian countries, a lot of developing nations um, because it bypasses SMS charges, just like iMessage, but it interoperates across platforms. Any platform you have that runs WhatsApp, you're part of the system. It's proprietary to itself, uh, but it has massive, massive usage. A couple of years ago, they added uh, security for a particular Android uh, release. You've got this very, very high-level Uh, end-to-end encryption that was rated seven uh, check marks by EFF, seven out of seven. And I think iMessage gets five check marks on that scale. Um, And uh, they said, we'll eventually be rolling this out elsewhere. And I kind of was listening, listening. Well, today's announcement is essentially a billion users of WhatsApp now have strong, uh, uh, untappable end-to-end encryption across every service that WhatsApp offers, which is uh, actually much bigger than what Apple has done.
1: That's a lot of people. Yeah.
0: And it's not even scale. There might be like 700 million people who have access to iMessage. This is a billion active users, uh, not like a billion people with iPhones, right? Um, and it's just on by default now? Yeah, you it's a thing. And, yeah, okay. you can't, and it's also the way they set it up is they don't have access. It's kind of like iMessage, but even more so because WhatsApp makes uh, a little more information ap- uh, available to outsiders. That's actually the key is that you need to be able to do certain kinds of auditing. And I don't have all the details uh, now but it's based on TechSecure, which comes out of uh, open whisper systems which is run by the wonderfully named moxie marlin spike uh not his real name we don't know what his real name is that's okay and uh moxie's great and he's been he and a few other people behind a lot of um major encryption we talked about this with uh johnson uh, uh, Zajarsky, uh last week um about how a handful of people have made <laughs> a lot of the encryption we use worldwide or is driven by a handful of folks and uh Anyway, so if you're using WhatsApp, you update the latest app and you have um, something that is uh, super secure.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I think this is like a trend. I think this is just going to snowball.
0: Yeah, I think oh. people want it. I mean, I definitely I, – I sympathize with law enforcement. But as we keep finding, like um, it was a story I read last week after the new horrible Belgium um, tragedy uh, the, the, how horribly organized the Belgian security services are, are, that's a whole other issue but it said, oh yeah, someone was using uh, some kind of encryption system and the password was written on a piece of paper in their wallet. Mm. That's what police work is for. People are bad at memorizing things, they're bad at security. The most secure system breaks down because you get to hold of the device, you could open the device with someone's passcode, you use police work and investigation and monitoring. Uh, there's a lot of things that can be done without tapping every human being on the planet. And that's what will keep happening. Uh, Speaking of the FBI, I wasn't. Speaking of the FBI, FBI is opening a crack house, Susie.
1: (laughs) I saw this. (laughs) I'm like, hey, a crack house. That's pretty clever. What Uh, are they actually opening? They're going to start helping other uh, agencies open all their phones. They're going to open a little... Uh, phone opening concern.
0: A crack house. That's what I like. A call. crack house. <laughs> it's the house of cracking. Yeah, the FBI has a hold of some vulnerability that they seemingly acquired from a third-party vendor that came to them and said, hey, we got this cool thing you can do that won't destroy the phone. Was
1: it Celebrite? Does everyone think it's Celebrite or that's just what they think, but we don't really know?
0: It's actually kind of funny. It's unclear whether it's really good marketing and positioning by Celebrite or it is Celebrite. It could be. They've They've been a contractor. People have found... Uh, through FOIA documents that uh, sell, you know contracting fees, but nothing lines up perfectly. I think it's widely believed, but there's no um, smoking gun confirmation gotcha. uh, of it yet. A lot of leaks and things, but uh, so it's probably it probably is probably is them. But it's if not them, it's another of a handful of trusted. I'm third sure they're not
1: like devastated that everyone thinks it's them. Even if it's not, they're like, yeah, that's could could be. <laughs>
0: no, their, their one million dollar <laughs> prices just became two million dollar prices. Very likely. Right. Uh, so the yeah, so the FBI has vulnerability. They are resisting any interest uh, by Apple to get a hold of that. Uh, Apple is obviously working feverishly to figure out what it is. And uh, I was actually tweeting back and forth with Jonathan Zajarski, previously mentioned, a uh, great guy you should follow on Twitter, and uh, said, hey, so um, maybe Apple has ways of knowing if certain kinds of cracks are being used in iOS if there's any communication back to its servers. And he said, huh, there might be some kind of crash log reporting and other stuff. Maybe this crack takes place entirely with the device inside a Faraday cage, so it can't communicate with anything, and there's no outside communication. It's very likely too. but um, it's possible Apple can be pouring over massive amounts of uh, information coming in and seeing if they can discover a pattern um, and and like that. But so as long as that crack remains vulnerable, FBI apparently will let other law enforcement hand over phones and – Oh, Unbreak those things. It's it's really bad. For, it's bad for national security when a national an agency has a known vulnerability in products used by American citizens uh, and corporations, uh, you know, individuals, companies, and government are using these devices. The FBI knows there's a flaw, and they're not revealing it to the maker. That is actually bad national security policy.
1: Yeah, and they're still. Um, <laughs> the The article we have on mackerel quotes the letter that FBI sent to local investigators mm-hmm. saying that you know like we can do this and they're still calling encryption going dark only now they're capitalizing it and putting it in quotes and it's just like offends me on a lot of levels.
0: It's very it's very naive and um and horrible and what'll happen the thing is, you know what's going to happen. This is what's frustrating is so many ex NSA FBI and so forth uh, people have spoken out against. The current administrative's policy, whether they were left, right, center, non-political, mm-hmm. and you know what'll happen is everybody currently office they'll leave office, and then if you know in a few years will be like, oh yeah, no, that was a terrible thing. No, we we did that because we felt like we had to, but no, it's terrible for the country. You know, it's going to happen because everybody out of office is saying it. Which yeah. there's the only conclusion you can you know reach is that the people in office are doing it for expediency sake, not for uh, conviction or actual purpose.
1: Yeah, they don't really think long term. I mean, they're not really that they're not really incentivized to think long term. Frustrating, frustrating. I
0: uh, last thing was uh, read about this uh, a few days ago. There was a security scare last week. We keep getting these. Um, it's not a sky is falling one, but it got. I feel like it was a little overhyped in the announcement. It got a lot of coverage because um, the folks who revealed it um, have have rightly. I mean, it's a, it is a reasonable thing to worry about, and they've uh, uncovered previous iOS flaws in the past, but. It's a really There's a weird story
1: one. coming out of Black Hat, so people are like,
0: ah. Yeah, it's it's really <laughs> hard to take advantage of. And Apple kind of went feh to them. I couldn't get a comment on the record from Apple, but their reaction was kind of like, meh. Nah. You know, it was, it was <laughs> the this is an off the record reaction. My back and forth, they were kind of like, meh. Nah. Um, the deal is, if you have enterprise um, management and software installed, so you're under a managed network environment, uh, then. In that circumstance, you can be fished. Someone can send you uh, malicious information that will uh, then be able to, if you accept it, it will more easily be able to exploit your system than if you were not. So it's a mobile device management or MDM. There's a bunch of these. And mm-hmm. Apple tightened up uh, in iOS 9. They tightened up the way in which um, enterprise-based security is handled in iOS. So before that, it was easier for someone who had registered in the enterprise program, a malicious party could use this enterprise profile they get from Apple. They could potentially use it and had, there were examples in the wild of them trying to use it for attacks where they push the certificate at you, you accept the profile. Once you accept it, they can do all kinds of stuff to your device because you're kind of bypassing normal protections. Um, they can install third-party software. They can uh, reroute your traffic. There's all kinds of stuff that can happen. Apple tighten that up, except if you're in an MDM system, you can uh, – some of those protections are lessened if someone then is fished. So you get an SMS with a link that says, hey, here's a new profile, or you get email and you click it. You still have to take action. Then you have to accept it, but there's fewer steps to warn you about things that are going wrong or check. And so the, in, in that case um, – so Apple's response to uh, a number of sources, I couldn't get the statement out of them, was more or less like, you know, this is a phishing attack. We warn about phishing attacks. Phishing attacks are can always be dangerous and have to be educated against. And we're really not gonna change what we're doing here because this is not a flaw in the system. It's just another you know, it's a way that people are exploited. And you know, that's that's sort of the statement there.
1: Yeah, it wasn't really something that it sounded like would happen to a lot of people.
0: It's a fraction, but, yeah. A fraction of iOS users are in an MDM environment, and those that are, then you have to target those people with, you know, relatively tailored information. So it yeah. could be used, um, like spear phishing, is a thing where you send somebody. You're trying to get into other systems someplace, so you send someone email with a malicious payload, and that payload lets you, you know, say, get into a content management system at Reuters or something like that, Uh, even though that's not what you're attacking. You're attacking someone's system to monitor the traffic, get a password. So it's got some potential, but I I don't know. I think it's um, it's less likely. Uh, Well, we're going to get on to these interviews in just a second, but uh, also wanted to um, point out we did have a little fun last week. Had a uh, radio play (sighs) written by David J. Lohr, that was amazing. Uh, and uh, he writes the incomparable radio theater scripts uh, for us over on the incomparable podcast network that we have a lot of fun with where I get to play Nic- Nikola Tesla is uh, my recurring <laughs> role over there. And fictionalized Nikola Tesla, not the real one. We're not trying to be historical. And uh, <laughs> so we talked. <laughs> it's your before, little Hamilton. We thought, it'd be, yeah, exactly. It's, I got my little. That's right. I am not throwing away my zap, my, my bolt. Do you uh,
1: rap as Nikola Tesla?
0: No singing yet, so far. Right. So far. We're talking, musical would be great. We you need, can run
1: with that, David. Go ahead.
0: We need a musical. Uh, but So you can find, at theincomparable.com, you can find David's other theatrical offerings, which involve a lot of Mac-adjacent people, Apple and Mac-adjacent technology writers. Strangely, we're also all great hams, and you will find people <laughs> you may know there, like Jason Snell, Ryan Caldwell, and Dan Morin. Uh, but, uh, so we have a little radio play. Episode 501A, footnote asterisk, uh, You can find that at Macworld.com and listen to our little jaunt. Um, and so let's go on to uh, the interviews. Okay. Joining me now is Chip Sutterth, who is a school administrator by day and the host of Two Minute Time Lord and the co-host of The Audio Guide to Babylon 5 by night, a podcaster, but someone who also roams the halls of academe. Chip, thanks for joining us.
2: You're welcome, Glenn. Thanks a lot
0: it's a pleasure to have you and uh, wanted to talk to you about your your love of the iPad pro and and we're talking after the 9.7 inch iPad Pro has been introduced so you've been
2: using the big one uh, and have now how long have you been using it uh, a number of months right now and I tell you it didn't take long for me to suddenly start feeling like it was the proper dimension of an iPad and that all of the other ones even the 9 point seven inch one were just itty bitty, like proto iPads. For, <laughs> it, it's really odd and stupid for me to say this, but the iPad Pro feels like a real the real deal.
0: Oh, that's interesting. You know, when I, I could never figure out, even uh, when I was at the introductory event for the first iPad, I thought, this is great, but I don't know how people are going to use it. And I felt like Apple wasn't sure either, and absolutely stuff developed and was released, but it was kind of fit in different worlds. And I feel like when I, everything I heard about the iPad Pro was like, this is the ap- apotheosis of the iPad, as you say. It's like it's turned into a thing that makes sense because there's a, there's lots of stories you can tell about it. What's your story where it fits in for the kind of work that you spend most of your time on it?
2: Well, as, as you said, I work in school district administration. I'm uh, in public information and uh, assistant to the superintendent of my school district. And one of the things about... Um, K12 education these days is there's not a whole lot of money and there's not a whole lot of call for um you know slack and other um intranet t- heavy heavy internal communication types of things we're still a very document oriented business and the beauty the the single most wonderful thing about that gigantic iPad Pro is being able because we're so document oriented, being able to read Word documents, being able to read PDFs comfortably, and to annotate them easily with the uh, with the Apple Pencil and things like that. The larger iPad Pro is so much better for that function than the um, than the standard iPad Air and now the nine point seven inch iPad Pro. Um, in this case. Bigger is better, particularly because that you're dealing with a combination of old technology and old paper document mentality at the same time that you're uh, trying to collaborate with people.
0: You're often working on stuff that is essentially an 8.5 by 11 sheet that you can now look at at 100% of size. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fascinating.
2: Uh, absolutely. It's 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 a simple thing, but it is the thing that makes the iPad Pro marvelous for me. Um and I as soon as I got the Pro, I handed down my um iPad Air 1 to my 14-year-old son. Every once in a while I will pick it up and it feels weird. And I think I would have that same reaction to the um to the iPad Pro. No matter the fact that it's got the, the higher levels of functionality, it is essentially equivalent to its bigger brother, um, I'd still feel a little awkward about it. That's purely idiosyncratic. And I think that as the iPads along the line keep developing, we're just going to get to this world where people are just going to pick the iPad that is the most convenient and appropriate size for them, just as we have with iPhones. Well they're making it easier
0: too right they're filling in the in that yeah, there are gaps there. And the I mean, the iPad mini has always been a kind of different sort of thing. Like it is much more, I want to say of a consumption device. I sort of hate to say that because that's always the misnomer because people find ways to create on it. But I felt like the size, because it was bigger than a phone and it doesn't have a phone network on it, even though you could use Skype and it's smaller than an iPad, which uh, iPad air in the original format, it felt like it was some other kind of thing. But then now that they have the niche filling in, it's like the iPad mini is pretty powerful. The 9.7 inch iPad pro has all those features. And then you've got the big mama. And so that's an alternative now to the small room, but also to a laptop. It seems like they're they're filling in the gaps of, of what, uh, and they found one that fits you very precisely.
2: Yeah. And I have to say the canard about the iPad being a consumption device, which is still being communicated to this mm-hmm. day by um, sort of mainly anti-Apple partisans. But um, the iPad is a wonderful um creation device it's more than consumption just the very fact that you have this outstanding version of microsoft office on the ipad by definition makes it a productivity device um and i i i was shocked to find how comfortable it is to write and edit in microsoft word on the ipad compared to um Compared to any other um, productivity app on the iPad, um, it's more pleasant than on the uh, than on a generic laptop. It's something inherent in knowledge work and in um, in n- sort of non tech industry fields like education. Being able to read and manipulate documents and to process. Uh, Mentally process what you're reading. That's productivity. That's not consumption. And you kind of are benefiting from the fact that uh, Microsoft did
0: uh, a fairly uh, important refresh on Office 365 uh, on the iOS apps not that long ago, as I recall. I don't use it, but I heard people suddenly being much happier with it.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm th- I'm thrilled with it, and uh, I I couldn't help but notice that on the Current version of the um, iPad Pro uh, product page on Apple.com. I'm scrolling through the I'm, I'm scrolling through the page, and all of a sudden, I see the word Contoso leaping out at me from a <laughs> uh, from a iPad mockup screen. And I look closer, and sure enough, on the on 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 the screen there are uh, Word and Excel side by side in uh, split view mode, and again apple communicating that here is a productivity machine running productivity apps from their you know in some corners most hated rival you know it it, right. it is a it is a productivity machine no question
0: and you found the the Apple Pencil, even though you're not a visual artist, or at least I don't know you could also be a visual artist. But the primary thing you, that I know you for is not visual artistry. the The pencil has been a good tool for you in product for productivity.
2: Yeah, in a couple of ways. Um, first, uh, and this is just as idiosyncratic as thinking that the uh, the twelve point nine inch is the perfect size. Um, Every once in a while, I really get tired of fingerprints on my iPad, and I actually do <laughs> use the stylus um, as as a pointing device. Um, in, you know, in part because it's so the device is so big that it's actually nice to not to have to reach so far to tap the far corners or things like that. But um, annotation, um, I have I have used rubber tipped styluses before. Um, having the Apple pencil glide so responsively and so precisely over the device is, is a load of fun. Um, and, and it, and it is all, and it also gives me the opportunity to try to, uh, become a bit of an artist to try to, uh, follow in serenity Caldwell's footsteps and try try to, try to, try to learn and use those tools. Um, I've got procreate, Uh, I am a horrible artist, but the fit and finish of the device, how the pencil and the tablet work together, make me want to uh, stretch myself a bit.
0: Well, I've wondered also if this is the digital photography effect. It's like it's really hard when your experience with photography is analog because when you don't feel – if you're still learning, you don't feel like you're making – results you want. You just spend a lot of money on film and developing. Now the current generation has no idea what we're talking about, which is awesome. But the fact that there's no penalty to take pictures, I'm wondering if this starts to introduce that notion, there's no penalty to draw either because you're not wasting paper and ink and you haven't invested a ton in brushes and whatever that can wind up to be a, a lot of money and a lot of frustration. And iteration is the heart of art in my mind is you learn to do stuff by doing it again and again and getting better. I wonder if this reduces the penalty as you describe, um, even though you're buying an expensive electronic device, still, the cost of art supplies aren't exactly cheap. And then the threshold of getting over it to do stuff is, is can be a difficult thing to surmount, too.
2: Right. Now, there is one um, thing about the Apple Pencil that does uh, drive me a little crazy. Um, and it it was designed not to be a, pencil, a, a human finger replacement. And uh, as, as we all know, there was a moment there in the iOS 9.3 beta where uh, the, <laughs> where its use as a pointing device was eliminated because I presume Apple figured that it was introducing confusion. Um, there are a few interface elements that do not work with the pencil. Um, invoking multitasking does not mm. work with the Apple pencil. Um Microsoft Office, the pencil can only be used for drawing and annotating. It cannot be used uh, to tap interface um, elements um, or to uh, select text or anything like that. Um, So, you know, those sorts of things do get on my nerves um, because, as Steve Jobs famously described um, when – uh, when they were talking uh, when they were talking about whether the Mac should be a touchscreen device or not. people don't want to reach up to the screen or something yeah. like that. Uh, when I use my iPad with a keyboard, um, in my case, uh, the uh, older Apple wireless keyboard with an in-case origami workstation case, which is perfect. I don't have the I don't have a need for the smart keyboard at this point. but whenever you're using an iPad with a keyboard, because you don't have a pointing device option at all, Um, You're always reaching up. You're always reaching up for the screen. It is a little uncomfortable. I do take advantage of a stylus in that in that case just to avoid making the repetitive motions. And yet in Microsoft Word can't do it. Um, And in and in invoking um, slide over or split view can't do it. Just those few little inconsistencies that uh, do make me long for. the good old-fashioned laptop oh interesting well that
0: hopefully that can be improved too because i it's unclear where the stopping point is and how much is in the api and how much is uh you know where apple's saying no or developers are still taking advantage uh i want to ask you about something about productivity also which is funny is tom bridge who we also interview in this segment of uh, ipad pro things he noted as a freelancer or a, a consultant rather going on site one thing he loves about the iPad Pro, it makes him look busy because he's standing up and using it. <laughs> His, and I wonder, is there a little bit of a – you know, you're an on-the-go – I've seen pictures of you at work. You are an on-the-go administrator wearing a tie and a suit and walking around. Does it actually make you feel more engaged or productive or, or – I don't even mean – I'm not even joking about the seam. You're in the middle of a school district. But um, does it let you be more engaged? Does it have an effect on how you interact with people to All, use that?
2: Almost the opposite. Uh, oh, <laughs> and 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 the thing is, because again, K twelve education is under enormous budgetary pressure right now. This is my personal device; it is not something that was bought for me by the school system yeah. because we don't have that kind of money to throw around. Um, so I am walking around the uh, the office building uh, a few days ago uh, with the i with the iPad Pro in hand. I've got the pencil in my pocket. I'm 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 referring to a document. I walk into I, w- I walk blindly blindly into somebody's office and I'm talking to them and in the middle of the conversation they just freeze and one of them says what in the world is that <laughs> <laughs> the iPad Pro in certain in oh, in no. certain workplaces actually looks ostentatious and wasteful yeah and interesting and oh, how did you pos-
0: get the budget for
2: yeah yeah, and 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 you hasten to say no, no, no. That this this is this is my personal device. The school system didn't buy this for me. Oh, and my. and then the, and then they sort of they're halfway mollified, and then they start wondering about your salary. Um, and this may be <sighs> wow. actually the hidden the the hidden genius of the nine point seven inch iPad mm-hmm. Pro. Um, the iPad the bigger one. Is, it's great for digital creation, it is great for document reading and things like that, but as thin as it is and as light as it is given its size, it does call a bit of attention to itself. That is so funny.
0: Uh, let me ask you one last thing, talk briefly about uh, at the outset. As you're a podcaster like myself, mm-hmm. and uh, we've been on many podcasts together. I think I've been on more with your wife, as it turns out. Uh, but we we can change it over time. And uh, the uh, question I have is uh, our colleague Jason Snell has already tested out plugging in mics that required power through the lightning uh, connector, the powered lightning connector that's available now, or powered USB lightning connector. Uh, is that something, will that affect how uh, – how you podcast? I know you got it set up at home that you're using right now, but uh, does that uh, is that something you look forward to being able to use and try out? Are you waiting for software to to
2: match up with your needs? I think I am almost there. Um, the fact that you can't record multiple streams of audio, um, yes. in the uh, on the iPad is still something of a deal breaker, however, everything else is coming in place so well that it may make much more sense for me to take an i to take my ipad and my iphone to run skype on the phone and to record locally on the ipad or vice versa rather than lug around a laptop with me i own a i own a late 2008 macbook pro the 15 Mm -hmm. inch one that i grabbed refurbed in a panic because i was afraid that it with Apple canceling the Express card slot, that I'd be left behind uh, with an, an unexpandable laptop, which is really funny because Express cards really did turn out to be kind of useless. <laughs> um, but because I have the iPad Pro, because it is so powerful, I still think that for whatever jobs that I need a laptop for, this old Core Two Duo MacBook is still going to be adequate to my needs. So why travel around lugging that thing with me when there's a chance that this lighter, slimmer, powerful iPad Pro will be able to do all the work that I need to do? Editing with Ferrite, um, recording, or Skyping, you know. All of the pieces are there. There are just a few extra hoops that you have to jump through to make it all work. That's pretty good. What well, they can call it the iPad Pro, I
0: podcaster the pod we'll mm. see I'll, I'll work I'll workshop that but uh, <laughs> in the meantime thank you ship Sutter th- school administrator and podcaster for talking to us about how you're using it
2: thank you Glenn
0: I am joined now by Tom Bridge who is one of the principals in technolutionary uh, an IT consulting firm in the district of Columbia area of our fine country hello Tom Hello, Glenn. Thanks for having me on. A pleasure. And uh, we're trying to find some representation from different kinds of uses of an iPad Pro, where people have have found ways to drop it into their uh, work uh, flows. And you're an IT guy, and you know a lot of people in the Mac world. I think who listen to this podcast are in or adjacent to IT or interact regularly with IT. We have a lot of people in companies and consultants and and folks who like to tinker with networks and servers so you are square in that use case tom
3: yeah and it's really an interesting place to be right now with uh, the ipad pro and all the things that it can do um and I, i carry it every day and some days i don't carry my laptop Um, Those are the days I still kind of feel like I'm flying without a parachute. (laughs) Um, But in a lot of cases, it's been just fine. And actually, it's been really, really nice because I get an app that does exactly what I need it to do. And I can uh, monitor network devices. I can remote desktop into Macs or PCs using uh, Apple's tools or using Microsoft's tools or using third-party tools from the App Store. And there are a lot of really good options right now for the iPad toting sysadmin so that you can carry something that's light and fairly flexible. And, you know, they recently introduced a powered USB-C adapter for the iPad, uh, for the iPad Pro, rather. That can take an iPad to a wired network so that you can plug a built-in Ethernet adapter or a, uh, you know, I believe it's a USB to, to Ethernet adapter at that point and plug it right into your iPad and poof, you've got wired connectivity as an iPad user, uh, which is really marvelous sometimes when you're trying to troubleshoot what's going on with this specific switch port. Uh so there are a lot of really great things that I can do on my iPad. There are a couple of things I can't do that it kind of bum me out a little bit and a couple of things that really just require a lot more attention. But overall, it's Almost perfect for an IT guy who needs to, you know, or an IT person rather, who can move about through an enterprise, test the Wi-Fi, uh, you know, spend time on their environment, net, you know, admin switches and uh,
0: you know other network equipment, uh, and it works out really, really well. What, what what attracted you to it when you saw this announced? It sounds like you got one in the not too uh, long after uh, the iPad Pro came out. Was it size? Was it performance? I think it was kind of a
3: combination of screen size and the available accessories. Um, It's the first iPad that Apple has really put out there as a landscape device. Ah. And, you know, if you go into the stores, they actually put them in landscape mode, which is really, really interesting because all of the other iPads are set up in portrait mode. Uh, Landscape is my preferred (laughs) holding of an iPad. And with the Pro, it was a combination of screen size, functional keyboard, and I loved the idea of the pencil, especially because I like to sketch my network draw, uh, diagrams beforehand and then, you know, kind of work with them from sketch into isometric diagrams and like omni omnigraphle. And so I really wanted something that would give me that ability uh, as, as well as, you know, the new multitasking features that came out in iOS 9 have been marvelous for what I've been doing uh especially you know if i'm doing any kind of documentation or composing uh i can have you know just side by side mode with my ipad and that's all I need. And it locks me in to doing my work instead of being <laughs> distracted by, you know, a million Twitter windows and instant message and all of those other wonderful things. You're not sliding both, over
0: that Twitter view, huh? To just I'm take
3: not a- sli- Nope. Nope. I'm just, I'm keeping things side by side. I'll sometimes have like a Safari browser, you know, pointed at a config page or a, uh, you know, a, you know, diagram side by side with email or drafts for composing and markdown. Um, and it's very effective at making me do my job.
0: Focusing in one thing. It's a strange idea.
3: Uh, I know. It's uh, crazy, right? So,
0: so tell me a little bit about your day. Since you're a consultant, I know you have – you can be in your office. You can be working at home. You can be out at clients. How does the iPad Pro fit into your workflow as you're going sort of from mode to mode and place to place?
3: Sure. And uh, so we are an IT consultancy. And I may see – Uh, I may see one client in a day or I may see five and there are sockets in my calendar for what that, what that is every morning. And I get up, I go to the coffee shop a couple blocks away from my house and kind of triage my day. I, that's almost always done on the iPad. I pull out the iPad, I kind of set it up and I kind of start going through what's actually going to need to happen that day. I build checklists for myself in either drafts or in, uh, Omni outliner and those let me prioritize my day. I go out to a client. I will be dealing with an issue at desk side, often with, uh, with a user who's having a specific problem. Or I'll be set up someplace and accessing network resources to uh, solve problems, ac- add new equipment, uh, build new workflows for clients and a lot of that, you know if, if I'm working on site for a client, I'm doing that at their servers or I'm doing that at their desktop machines. And for that I use screens a lot on my iPad pro. Um, I also uh, use Microsoft's remote desktop product, which is really great. When there's an active directory server that needs my attention or a, you know a Windows file share that we need to uh, be messing with, that's where I'm spending my time. And it's you know it, it, it's not clumsy at all. It's really quite functional to just hop into that device, be touching my way through the through the screen, and you know it, that was one of those places where the pencil came in really handy because it's pinpoint right, and you're working on a smaller screen and it works
0: out quite well. Is that a different um, situation than say like having a laptop where you've got to feels like you got to pull the thing out. You don't just kind of put it down. you got to close it, open it. I'm making it sound like an old TV ad. Like it's so inconvenient to use a <laughs> traditional laptop. But I think of a an iPad and the iPad Pro is big, but it's not ridiculously big. You just flip right. that cover back and it's kind of right there. You prop it up. I don't know if you use a keyboard cover with it at times, but it seems like it's much more accessible even than a small, useful laptop.
3: It absolutely is. And one of the things that we have come to realize is if we are sitting down at our client's offices, it looks like we are not busy and the (laughs) iPad is wonderful at being a device that can be used in a standing position where they can see what's on your screen and see that you are, Hey, Oh yeah, he really is messing with the mail server right now. Or, um, you know, he's deep into that network diagram right now because they can see your screen because it's out in front of you. And, uh, I, I'm not going to say that that's a trick that uh, consultants might use to look busy, but, uh, you know, it is one of those places where some people really do react negatively to seeing somebody sit down and at rest in your environment. So, uh, you know, since we do our an hourly consultancy, you you pay by the hour, uh, then it's really important for your clients to think they're getting value. Um, even when you could be doing the same thing sitting down and be much, as, you know, as much as ef- as effective, otherwise. So, uh, it's it's not a trick, but it's certainly a technique for looking, uh, making your client think you're busy. I,
0: I have a friend who suspects he was let go from a temp position because it looked like he was looking at Dilbert cartoons all the time. He was actually doing an assignment for the company, which was a bookstore, to assemble. A part of a site about Dilbert cartoons, so you got to watch out oh, for that. No. You got to watch out. That's like a meta meta irony there. Now, uh, speaking of Dilbert, there are things you can't do that uh, you'd like to with the iPad Pro. Some of these are software packages that aren't yet available. You may tell me a few that you're using that you find particularly useful in the IT uh, side. I and mean, we talked about OmniGraph and a few others. But so there's there's software you can use now. There's software you may be waiting for. You think might come. But then there's some things that uh iOS simply can't do right now. Can you tell me about those different buckets? Sure.
3: And the first I want to talk about the things that it just can't do right now. And a lot of my job is messing with Wi-Fi networks and making them work better because that's a huge part of any IT consultant's life right now is that, oh, the Wi-Fi doesn't work so great over here. Or we can't get signal here. Or I've got full bars, but i am not got a very good connection. Uh these are all the banes of our existence, right? Uh there are tools that I get to use on the Mac that back up against Apple's Core WLAN framework on the Mac, and you know they're incredibly useful tools like Wi-Fi Explorer by Adrian Granados and you know uh, Wi-Fi Signal, which is another menu bar item, as well as packet capture utilities and stuff like that. That I need a laptop for because uh, there just isn't an equivalent object. On the iPhone or on the iOS side, Core WLAN doesn't expose the same data to the iPhone, to the iOS environment that it does on the Mac. And so if I'm doing Wi-Fi survey, I have to use my laptop. If I'm doing network troubleshooting, I have to use my laptop. Those just are, are tools that you can't make for iOS yet. And I'm really hoping that that changes in the long run. Uh, I miss that a lot. Uh, and, It's not that I don't love using my my MacBook for that. It's just it's heavy compared to the iPad the iPad Pro. I have a MacBook 15 or MacBook Pro 15 inch and it weighs about, you know, what, four pounds, give or take. I could do something in a pound and a half otherwise.
0: (laughs) So I know it seems so heavy now, but by comparison, like the amount of power you get out of it, it's just more convenient, especially if you're traveling, especially if you want that one-handed hand at ease. Uh, So you get around this, you've got a few techniques for getting around this, right? Because there's ways that uh, you're still getting what you need out of it, even if you can't run it natively.
3: Right. And in a lot of cases, if I've got tools that don't exist on the Mac or on, excuse me, if I've got tools that don't exist on the iPad, I can cheat a little bit and I can use screens and go back into a Mac and begin to manipulate the data directly that way uh, through a VNC connection. And that will work out in, you know, 95% of the cases. And sometimes I just, you know, I need to buckle down, go back, get my laptop, pull it out, and do the work. Uh, but most of our clients have a server on site of some kind. Uh, whether or not it's actually, you know, doing the work that we would traditionally associate with server is another story entirely. <laughs> because there are a lot of uses for a server that aren't the traditional, oh, let's put our files there. And that's a lot of what we focus on in our practice. Uh, caching service, uh, you know, software distribution across local networks, that kind of stuff. And that's all stuff that we, you know, I don't have a version of monkey admin that runs on the iPad yet. And so I do have to remote into the server to take a look at what's the latest update for Firefox. Has it been added to the production catalog yet? Is it on the site default manifest yet? And so we have to actually do that kind of upgrade, update work on the uh, Mac.
0: What's your preferred uh,
3: VNC client? I'm a screens guy from Adobe, and I want to say it's like $15, give or take, and stores everything I need it to do. We'll find devices on the network using Bonjour, which is really, really convenient when you can't remember the IP address just off the top of your head. As long as you're on the right
0: subnet, there it is. And uh, what? tell me, like, let's say, four favorite software packages besides OmniGraffle. Which we've heard about that you use for on the IT side, or or are there four different packages that you wind up using?
3: Oh yeah, I I'd say that there are definitely many many apps that I spend my time in. I spend my time in Drafts because that's where I write my documentation. I write it in Markdown and then kind of make the transfer into Word from there uh, through the you know the it's got many different options for it. export that I really really love and it's cloud focused. So on my phone, I've got the exact same draft that I was working on on my on my uh, iPad. So that's really tremendous. Uh, I also spend time in Microsoft Remote Desktop if I need to spend time on the Windows side. I also use the Office Suite. So if I'm writing a proposal for a client, I'm doing that in Microsoft Word. And it syncs back to my Dropbox. So I can, you know, edit those files, make a a change or two, turn it into a PDF, and email a client a proposal all just right out on my iPad Pro. Mm. And I love that. It's marvelous. We just have our template file. We go make the edits to the templates, write out the documentation for the proposal that's necessary that that creates the solution that we're selling to the client. And then, poof, it's a PDF. Poof, it's in an email. (laughs) Then I get a signed PDF back, In, in a lot of cases, sometimes done right on an iPad. And then we're in business. And there wasn't a Mac involved at all.
0: What there uh, anything else that you that you particularly highlight that you use, you like, you want to recommend? He says grabbing his iPad out of his bag. That's the best oh. way to do it. I can't remember. This is the thing about a device that disappears when you use it. Do you, I don't remember all the apps I use because I just use them. And if you ask me the name of some of them, unless I'm, you know, really thinking about it, I might have to be consulting that list too. Sure. Yeah. I, I spend a lot of time in PDF pen. When I'm doing
3: PDF markup, so if I get a proposal from, or a contract from a client, I can do markup right in PDF pen and send it back and say, okay, this is what really doesn't work for me, and this is what does work for me, and let's compromise on these couple of things. I spend a lot of time in Slack because I get a lot of notifications for our business through there. If we have downtime events, it hits our Slack channel. If I get a new ticket from Watchmen Monitoring, it comes into our Slack channel, and all of that happens right there in my client for the iPad. Uh, I really love the version of the Slack client that runs on the iPad because it gives you literally the entire interface of Slack as opposed to the iPhone or the iPad, which gives you like 90% of the interface. Yes. So color me six kinds of excited (laughs) there. I also use QuickBooks online and there's a QuickBooks online, uh, client for the iPad as well. So I can, you know, tell you, Hey, did somebody pay or pay their bill this week? Oh no, they didn't. Oh gosh, that's really a shame. And I can actually present them with a new copy of a statement <laughs> while I'm standing in their
0: office. Just print it wirelessly using AirPrint to their printer. Uh, exactly. So <laughs>
3: or that, or the PDF. <laughs> just leave it over there and, <laughs> and see it, make sure that somebody finds it. But you know, I do use that. I, I i'm not in love with the most recent revisions to quickbooks online i feel like the quickbooks online app for the ipad isn't as effective as it used to be i feel like it's a lot more ios uh i'm sorry iphone oriented at that point and i can't do as much as quickly which is kind of a bummer um let's see what else do i have on here that i oh status board is great panic uh panic.com they have status board and we can line that up so that it tracks my calendar so that it tracks the number of open watchman tickets number of outages happening right now it's marvelous it's a it's a quick heads-up display that tells me is
0: there anything drastically wrong that i need to be paying attention to well that's fantastic all right so this gives people some apps to think about things that you're using all the time and uh and hopefully helps help some folks who are involved in the it side with some ideas about how to Managing. So uh, I've been talking to Tom Bridge, who's one of the partners at Technolutionary, a a small business technology service consultant in the Washington, D.C. area. Tom, thank you for sharing your iPad Pro experience.
3: Thank you so much, Glenn. This was a blast.
0: Some people are taken to flights of fancy. Other people create those flights of fancy. And so I'm joined by Jeff Zugale, who is the lead concept artist at Blind Squirrel Games. He's also a freelance artist and cartoonist. And some of what he likes to draw, oh, I, I love so much, spaceships, big fancy cars, cool stuff. Jeff, thanks thanks for joining us.
4: Oh, thank you. And uh, I'm really not all that fancy, so.
0: <laughs> oh, I think it's, I don't know. I like I like zeppelins and spaceships and zeppelins spacecraft. Zeppelins and spaceships are and cool, yeah. It's pretty fun. And so you've uh, you've joined us because you are an iPad Pro user. And I've had a hard time finding uh, illustrators and cartoonists who have shifted over Yet, and um one thing I know is there is a price tag attached to if you get the full setup and you get the, the pencil and you get the iPad Pro with what you need, the amount of storage and everything else. It's not a cheap investment. A lot of people already have a lot of money yeah, you know, it's, sunk it's, into their systems. It,
4: it is uh, one thousand one hundred ninety-eight dollars and you know some odd cents. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I had to do. Uh, I actually was forced to get an iPad Pro because my iPad Air died uh, first Apple device I've ever had that just completely oh, died on me. Yeah. Uh, I, and I, you know, nothing wrong with it, uh, not, nothing wrong with it up to the point where it died. So, but, uh, yeah. And I was working on that using, uh, not using the Apple pencil cause it didn't work. It didn't exist, but, uh, yeah, I had to get an I- iPad pro and I just said, well, okay, I'll get the, I'll get the whole thing. And I did. And, uh, I think it's awesome. I love it.
0: So we we talk about workflows with um, you know, anything that you're doing. It requires a change if you're doing things routinely. And I would think uh, for an illustrator, you've probably got a method that you're accustomed to using. Uh, I mean, everyone that I know in the business seems to, there's some kind of Wacom tablet they have. There's the Cintiq model. And some people uh, like the ones that have a screen on them and some like the ones where you're looking up. And uh, i just seen lots of different approaches. But how how much of a transition was it for you to to go from what you were used to doing to dropping into the iPad Pro and new apps and new approaches?
4: Uh, in terms of the hardware itself, uh, I have a Cintiq. I have an Intuos tablet. I've used Wacom stuff since 1991, I oh think. My. So, so yeah, a long time. Um, and uh, it wasn't really a big jump t- for me to go from the Cintiq to the iPad. Um, when I went to do that, I actually got the Wacom uh, Intuos uh, creative stylus for the iPad, the first one that they had, not the second one. And, uh, you know, just adapted to that. So in in that sense, in the moving my hand around sense, it really wasn't that big of a change.
0: In terms of the tools that are available to you, do you feel, uh, is there a lack there still, or are you able to to latch on to things that work right away um, with the way that you want to work?
4: Um, well, I, y- you do have to change the way you uh, approach your artwork, if you've been doing everything in Photoshop for 15 years, uh, some of the apps, when I started it, before I was using the iPad Pro, uh, the iPad Air doesn't have as much RAM, it's not as fast, uh, so some of the apps weren't capable of even doing images with many layers or at large sizes that you can do uh, for the kind of pro work that I do, um, but the iPad Pro does. Uh really the the app that i've been using pretty much exclusively uh, although that may change uh, is procreate and i think that's what everybody's kind of latching on to uh, it's a really great painting app uh, not as good for technical sorts of art but i've been using it now for oh geez, i guess it's got to be 3 years cuz i worked i worked using it on our comic our webcomic uh, not invented here uh, for a year and a half at least
0: And it gives you the kinds of controls that you, that you want. There's enough flexibility. I mean, you mentioned you're distinguishing between, uh, I guess different kinds of drawing styles. And I know that some Mm -hmm. of the stuff you do is quite, um, you're saying technical, right? uh, Some stuff is
4: technical and some stuff is cartooning, which is, you know, ink lines and flat colors and stuff like that. And then other stuff I do is more photographic sort of painting, you know, where I'm dumping in textures and I'm drawing weird spaceships and stuff like that. Um, the workflow changed uh, the workflow for me just changed in the sense of uh, I had to be able to figure i had to figure out how to do those things in procreate it's pretty similar but it's not exactly the same uh, the layer structure is a little different the uh, the brushes are a little different the brush engine is a little different it wasn't terrible to figure all that stuff out but it did take time
0: are you happy with the, the sensitivity of the pencil and, and how uh, Procreate's able to interact with that?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, the integration with Procreate and with the uh, iOS system is pretty much perfect. Uh, the hand, the palm rejection is perfect. There is no other device that does palm rejection.
0: I was going to ask it, about it because it's not a new idea, just, but I'd heard no. so many good things about it. I couldn't tell how much to differentiate between Apple's marketing there and the reality. It sounded like it was really good.
4: It's perfect, Wow. So f- I, I have not had a problem with it at all. If I, if, if I have the pencil in my hand and my hand is touching the screen, it, it only reads the pencil, period.
0: <laughs> is there an advantage you found to working in this way? I mean, is this a, well, now I don't ever have to go back, and not a criticism of, of Wacom, but I never have to go back there because this is actually a superior method? Is it just a parallel method to what you're working on, and, and now you have the tools, so you're using it?
4: All right. For me, it's parallel. Uh, because I still can't do some things on the iPad. Uh, A lot of my day job workflow involves me working in things other than Photoshop or Illustrator. Uh, So I'm working in 3D or I'm working in Flash. We're doing UI art and stuff like that. So uh, I work on it in parallel. For my own personal work, it's pretty much my primary device right now. I I haven't been using my, my poor Cintiq is sitting over here going, please play with me. <laughs> but I haven't, I haven't been using it that much lately because I just, I, I've been, I've been able to go sit on my couch and work on an image that's, you know, 8,000 pixels wide with 15 layers in it, which you couldn't do before the iPad Pro. So the, the Pro has, uh, I'm doing the same thing with the Pro as I was doing with the iPad Air. But with the pencil, it's smoother and uh, it's more relaxing, I would say. Uh, I don't have to keep my hand off the glass. I don't have to be as careful with that.
0: Oh, so you're always hovering before trying to keep your – you're doing some kind of awkward motion with the wrist raised or something?
4: Well, it's not, not awkward. awkward but- it, it, it's actually good to if you're an artist or a painter or an illustrator to work from your shoulder. So mm-hmm. keeping your hand off the surface is a good thing and you know, for many reasons. But uh, it's not such a bad thing to do that, but there are times when it becomes a problem. Uh, and you know being able to put my hand down and just you know do really short finger motions is also pretty helpful.
0: Now, has this led to you uh, spending less time on a a laptop or a computer, or other devices. I mean, has it has it absorbed some of your other um, screen time or interaction time?
4: Yeah, absolutely. At home, I I'm pretty much just doing my finances on on this brand new MacBook Pro. Oh, uh, I'm hard. I'm hardly <laughs> doing any any artwork. Yeah, I bought the MacBook Pro, and then I was forced to immediately thereafter buy the uh, buy the iPad uh, Pro. So uh, so it's just kind of sitting here uh, most of the time. <laughs>
0: Did you, did you get the keyboard for it, though? Because I wonder if the more you switch over, or are you okay with the glass keyboard for the amount of
4: typing you're doing? Uh, for the amount of typing I'm doing, I'm fine with the glass keyboard. I have the uh, Apple Bluetooth keyboard that I was using uh, previously. Oh, yeah. So if I need it, I'll, I'll use that. But I haven't had to use it. Uh, the one thing that the one thing that is very different from the iPad uh to the Mac or to any desktop system is the keyboard shortcuts. Mm -hmm. That's a major part of your Photoshop workflow. Anyone who works in Photoshop a lot will tell you, if you don't know the keyboard shortcuts, you're working at 10% of the speed (laughs) you could be working at. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So uh, without the keyboard shortcuts, if you're used to just cranking away on that, on those keyboard shortcuts, working on the iPad pro is really different because you don't have it at all.
0: Yeah, I use uh, Photoshop and Illustrator just enough that I'm dangerous in it, as I can do everything and I can never remember the keyboard shortcuts. In Design, (laughs) I can remember I use it just frequently enough, but that's been that thing. But then, you know, if you have the keyboard cover, uh, then I suppose that puts you in a different ballpark. But then you don't really want to do that. That doesn't seem like the same reality. The
4: apps don't have keyboard shortcuts. Oh yes,
0: of course. Okay, not yet.
4: There is no, there is no currently no app that I know of that has keyboard shortcuts on the iPad, which is kind of interesting, but I mean, I get why, but that, that would be a really daunting thing. I think for a lot of people to say, well, you know, I'm super fast in Photoshop with my keyboard shortcuts and I've got 4 million actions that speed up my job and none of that exists on the iPad. So, so for work that needs to be heavily automated in that way, stuff that I've got, you know, muscle memory and actions to handle, I got to do that on the desktop. But you wind up planning your work around that. You know, I so, say, okay, I can do my pencils on this, and I can do my inks on this, and then I got to do this on my desktop, but that only takes 10 minutes, and then I can run it back through Dropbox and be back in Procreate and back on my iPad on the couch with a drink.
0: That's certainly another advantage of the future is that these, the files you're working with, the you know, the uh, Dropbox plus uh, LAN transfer in Dropbox plus... Uh you know decent wireless networks mean you're you're probably barely waiting for things these days,
4: yeah, I don't I have not had any uh interruption in that sense where I'm like I'm working on something now uh, yeah, now I gotta sit here and wait for this thing to download from Dropbox or up. <laughs> every once in a while there's a large file that goes up to Dropbox, but it you know I mean two minutes it's not like we used to do when we were sitting around, you know run the gaussian blur filter mm-hmm. in nineteen in nineteen ninety four and go get some coffee.
0: Yeah, I get. Uh, I'm surprised. Uh, even on the lowest performance device I have, of I have a 12 inch MacBook, uh, I did a 1200 page book in InDesign on it, and it was fine. It would reflow in a few seconds sometimes if I had to do yeah. changes from beginning to end. I'm like, oh yeah, it's all this fast now. Uh, now, in terms of things that are missing, you know, uh, Apple uh, not long before recording this uh, released a uh, or announced the um, a powered Lightning uh, USB adapter for, um, for the iPad, for you know, various models. And, uh, is that something that, are you missing anything there? Is there hardware you want to plug in? Where you're like, ah, well now I can plug in a powered USB device, or is there some capability that you, you want to see in the hardware you're hoping they'll bring to a future, uh, revision?
4: I haven't seen any, uh, I, I haven't needed anything like that. Uh, I may, if I start doing more audio work, music and stuff i'm also a musician so uh if i start doing more audio work on the ipad then maybe i would need that but i don't need it now for my artwork it makes no difference
0: okay so this is kind of uh the naples ultra you've gotten this is this is what you need it's in the right form factor you like using it and it's taken over a lot of your workflow and uh and screen time
4: yeah and i mean obviously again trade-offs Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the cons are it, I may be a little slower at some things. Uh, and obviously there's some things that it just won't do that I would need to do over on my, uh, desktop machine. Uh, the pros are I get to hang out with my wife a lot more. That's, <laughs> I understand that's, that. that's kind of the big pro is that in, instead of being here in my office where I'm right now recording, cause you know, that's where the gear is, um, I can go lie down in our bed while my wife is reading a book or something, and I can do my work there uh, where before I would have to be in here and we would be far apart. So it's an incremental difference in the amount of time we get to spend together, but it really actually makes a big difference to both of us.
0: That's lovely. It's bringing people together. The iPad Pro, there's their new slogan. It certainly can. Star a new advertisement for them, that's for sure. (laughs) Uh, Well, Jeff, thanks for sharing uh, how you're working with it, and uh, we'll have a link to Jeff Zugal's website in the show notes. But it's jeffzugal com. You can find his beautiful work there. And so, th- Jeff, thanks for joining us. Thanks very much. That was great, and I really appreciate everyone taking their time. So, thanks again to Chip Sutterth, Tom Bridge, and Jeff Zugal for taking their time to talk about how they found the iPad Pro useful. To them, you know, I think I mentioned this already in, in a couple times in these interviews, but I love uh, uh Tom Bridge is talking about how walking around, holding an iPad Pro in his hand, it's as effective as a laptop. But because he's holding it, it looks to clients like he's working. When he's sitting down at a laptop, not working, I'm. You just you just heard him describe it, but I just I'm still cracking up about it a week or so after <laughs> I did the interview where I'm just like, Oh yeah, yeah. It's not and he really is working, but is that impression of like whether you're doing something or not, like having something active in your hand and working on it, just you know, clients feel like they're getting more out of it.
1: Yeah. It's hard with for us knowledge workers to look like we're working. I know we're just yeah. always
0: staring at a glowing screen. I'm working right now. Uh, oh, this is work. <laughs> this is work. Well, Susie, it's been great to talk to you uh, for another week.
1: Yeah, thanks again.
0: A pleasure. Maybe next week our allergies will, well, I'm too I optimistic. So. they still still. They'll be blooming. Uh, you'll hear folks will complain about it till September, sorry. Um, and so this has been, I've been Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld, and this has been episode 502 of the Macworld podcast. For April 5th, 2016, you can find us at macworld.com. You can write us at podcast at macworld.com. And uh, we'll be back again next week with more.